On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space. It can't be something where 30 years later, we're like, how do we make DE&I for AI? We can stop having the conversation about DE&I if we at the forefront are inclusive. It doesn't have to be a thing if we're inclusive from the outset. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Lady, we have a very special guest on the show today, so all I'm going to say is get your pen, your paper, and get ready to take some notes, okay, and be inspired. Let's get into it. Jeff Nelson is known as the relatable CTO for his ability to take very complex technology solutions and help others understand how and why to implement them to benefit themselves and their businesses. Jeff is driving innovation in technology, business, culture, and public policy. Along with being known as the relatable CTO, Jeff is the co-founder and chief technology officer of Blavity Inc., the leading company for Black culture and millennials, and the founder and CEO of Sinchappy Inc., a real-time software platform for data discovery, analytics, and automation. His companies have combined to raise over $13 million in venture funding, generating millions in recurring revenue, and created dozens of jobs for women and underrepresented people. Jeff currently resides in Atlanta, Georgia with his family, and in his spare time, he's working on a new work-life framework called High Intensity Interval Productivity, HIP. He enjoys playing golf and watching baseball while occasionally dabbling in interior design. Jeff has a BS in computer science from Washington University in St. Louis. Jeff, welcome to Cultivating Her Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here and have this conversation. Been looking forward to it. Well, we are probably more excited to have you here with us. And and I know that our listeners are ready to get these gems. Mm. And so as we dive into the quote of the day, these are your words, Jeff. They will oh, sound wow. very familiar to you. So okay. this will probably be one of the first gems for our listeners. Mm-hmm. My mind is an infinite canvas framed by logic and reason. I'm both an engineer who uses technology to make complex things simple and an artist who makes simple things remarkable with nuance and texture. Mm. Jeff, when you hear your words reflected back to you, Mm -hmm. what comes up for you? Well, you know, I I instantly recognize the quote. So one, thank you so much for sharing that. I'm one, just humbled, you know, that that resonated with you all and hopefully it resonates with the audience. When I put that quote out there, it really, what I was really trying to do was encapsulate 
One of the things that I think is important about me, that I think is unique about me, and that I think is core to understanding me, and that is that, you know, I can't fit into boxes. I am so multifaceted. I'm so complex. And I say that with such humility, but but I say that, and that's important to me, and I think it's important for people to understand me, because when they see, when you see me in the world, you know, you, 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 know, you mentioned... I'm the co-founder of Blavity, right? Still operational, still working there. I've also got this other company that does, you know, something completely different in Cinch Happy. A lot of people are just like, you know, how, where, where's the jump? Where was the journey from this to this to this? How do those things all fit together? And on the surface, they may not, but in my mind, you know, it's that infinite canvas. It's that ability to see the world in nuance, in shades of gray, and to be able to connect dots that don't necessarily pop out in black and white, but you've got to be able to really kind of read between the lines and and really go deep to understand it. So yeah, it's, it's cool to hear that read back to me. Thank you. We love that. That is so amazing. And you know, we celebrate the multifaceted person on this podcast, women in particular, but people in general. So we appreciate you saying that. And y'all, in case you need a refresher of what Jeff just said, he said, what's a box? Mm-hmm. What's the, what's that? We, we, okay. all, we all do boxes around <laughs> we here. We don't do boxes no, no, no. around here. Okay, we do it all. We do whatever we feel called to do. We love that. So, Jack, right. can you tell us, like, we're going to start from the beginning. Can you tell us your origin story and how you became the Jeff Nelson we see today? So, my my upbringing was really interesting. I was born in Chicago, Illinois. Shout out to all the Chi-Town, Windy City listeners. I come from a big family. So, I come from, from a family of nine children, of which I am the youngest and the only boy. Right. And on top of that, the age gap between me and my closest sister in age is like 13 to 14 years. So there are off the rip just some interesting dynamics to be born into. So, you know, what was interesting about it was the house that I grew up in, like the, the you know, my home, I actually grew up with a few of my nieces and nephews. So they were in the house with me. They were more like my siblings than my actual siblings. Right. My sisters were around, they were there, but I kind of viewed them as like older adults. I'm like, y'all are like my aunties. Like, yes, I called you sister, but you know, I don't, I don't have that relationship with you. I, I view you as just like this older person. So, it, you know, it's always weird. I'm, I'm so fascinated by the relationship that siblings have with one another because my idea of a sibling is just so different from what I think most people's idea of it is. Right. And so, you know, that was an interesting dynamic, but also being, in a family where, you know, I have my mom, but I also have eight other women who have, who are playing some role in raising me and cultivating my view of the world, I think was just really, really important. And, you know, I always, I, I hate when men especially talk about they value women because of their proximity to other women. So I'm not going to do that. Like, I think women are valuable because women are women, period. But it it was... I think that for me, it it is just it isn't something that I ever had to learn or grow to appreciate because so much of my life has been shaped by amazing women, right? My mom, my sisters. So I'm really, really, really thankful for that. And so, you know, grew up in Chicago all my life, and I grew up on the south side of Chicago. So you know, there are people you may meet who say, "Oh, I'm from Chicago," and they're really from a suburb of Chicago. When I say I'm from Chicago. I am from Chicago, Illinois. I am from the Wild Hunnets. Wild Hunnets, okay? Wild, Wild Hunnets. That is a, an area of Chicago. If you all are familiar with Chicago, from, from Roseland, that's my neighborhood. This is, you know, whatever stereotypes you may hear about Chicago or think of it, you know, I, I grew up 
in 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 that circumstance, right? And and I love my city, and I think it it molded me in so many in so many, in so many ways. But you know, what's interesting is that I sort of I sort of lived this life where you know I went to a neighborhood school. I didn't go to like gifted and magnet schools. Went to the school that was right behind my house because it was it was close to get it was easy to get there, right? Grew up with friends who, you know, some of them were in gangs, some of them were involved in all sorts of other things. And I never had this perspective where I looked at myself as better than anyone or worse than anyone or even different. I mean, yes, we're all into different things. But at the end of the day, what I saw and what my experience was, was just people trying to figure it out. And we all figure out different things. We all have different walks of life. But I think that gave me an appreciation and a humility that I've just carried with me to this present day. So going from Chicago and you know going away to college at Washington University in St. Louis, meeting my co-founders for Blavity, you know, just having such a, a transformative experience on campus to then going to Silicon Valley, founding a company and, you know, being where I am now, really I think the the key of that origin story is just being someone who is sort of in a crowd but also looking to stand out and define myself, you know, amongst and amidst that crowd. Hey lady, it's Terry here. Dom and I want to take a moment to thank you for choosing to listen to our podcast. We love you for real. And we want to give you a chance to learn more about what's important to us. So tell us what you think about this. Imagine a world where you have a chance to get featured on the Cultivating Her Space podcast and share your business, brand, or perspective with millions around the globe. Imagine joining our monthly virtual video check-ins where you can connect with like-minded Black women like you and share your ideas and episode suggestions with Terry and I. Now I want you to imagine a world where you're in the exclusive Cultivating Her Space Sanctuary Slack channel and throughout your day and week, you are conversing with us about what's happening in your life and sharing funny gifts and your personal wins. How does that sound? Hopefully this is up your alley, lady, because we are taking things to the next level this year and we're doubling down on investing in our community. That means you. Yay! We want to meet you, connect with you, and create communities of genuine women who love on Black women and push our culture and movement forward. We launched this podcast in 2019 and to date, we have not missed a week. We've been great stewards of our platform all while working full time and navigating our own ups and downs. We release fresh new content every single Friday, like clockwork, and we have hundreds of valuable episodes and workshops that can really help you uplevel your life. So if you love our mission or you've gotten value from us, we invite you to give back and help us push this community effort forward. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click Patreon. You can learn more about our goals and exclusive offerings on Patreon, and we highly highly encourage you to join the sister frontier so that you can get some one-on-one time with us. We also have an option for you to donate on a one-time basis if that meets your needs. Again, herspacepodcast.com and you can click that link that says Patreon. All right, lady. We'll hop right back into the conversation. Wow. Wow. You do definitely have a fascinating origin story. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm listening, as I was listening to you, I wholeheartedly support and appreciate your appreciation for Black women. 
And so I'm curious, what were the biggest lessons that you have taken away from growing up with so many amazing Black women in your life? Mm. Strength. I think that Black women are superhuman. I think, you know, and, and I say that, you know, sometimes I hate saying that because I hate that Black women have to be superhuman. Right. I wish that black women could just be right and just exist. I hate that the the world has created dynamics where black women have had to to evolve and develop that trait. But nonetheless, black women have. And so shout out to black women for for being that. And you know, what's interesting about this is that my wife and I last night, we were we were watching Crooklyn, Spike Lee, Spike Lee Joint, one of my favorite movies. And she had never seen it. And so, you know, we do this thing where we, we, you know, we'll alternate picking a movie and she had never seen Crooklyn, right? So, you know, no shades to my wife. I don't know why she hadn't seen it growing up, but I write it that wrong. I did, did my duty, made sure she, she saw it. And, you know, this, the movie, I, the reason I wanted her to see it and, and the reason that movie resonates with me so much is, is that that's one of the movies, like I could be watching it on a plane and there are certain parts of that movie where I just tear up and start crying. And Crooklyn is one of those movies and Fences, you know, with Vi- Viola Davis and Denzel Washington is another one of those movies. And my wife and I actually talked about it. So we watched the movie and then we kind of talk about our reactions to it. And what I was sharing with her is that, you know, these, th- those movies are so, I don't know if it's worth the word is comforting or relatable to me it's because they don't exactly mirror my childhood. But what I see in those movies is sort of the the experience of Black women and the experience of my mom in so many ways. And it isn't, the again, not the exact circumstance, but it is, you know, people who have to not only exist and live for themselves, but live for so many other people, right? And when I think about what I've observed of Black women, it is having to show up for so many people regardless of what's going on in so many circumstances. And, and it and it just brings me to tears because now I, I see, you know, my mom who, you know, is is she just celebrated her 77th birthday. You know, my dad passed uh, several years ago. And so I now see her at age 77 for the first time ever living for herself. She spent so many years of her life as a wife, as a mother, as a grandmother, living for other people. Every decision she made was in service of someone or something else first, right? And now she's finally, over the last several years, finally has gotten that chance. And so I get so emotional just thinking about that because I think it's, you know, I I have so much privilege as a man that I, you know, I get to navigate through the world and not have to make those kinds of sacrifices, right? And to, to... have so many black women who raise me that I that I see having had that experience had the opposite experience that, you know, just to be in be surrounded by so many people where that is their story. I just get so emotional when I see those things in certain movies and I and I sort of see that struggle. I see, you know, that that tension of how do you show up in the world and try to have a fulfilling life when the rest of the world just makes it so, so hard to do so. That was so beautiful. And I just want to say shout out to your wife, shout out to your mom and shout out to you, Jeff, because your perspective and the way you communicated that is so refreshing, you know, and sobering as Black women to hear that. So thank you for that. And I think this is a great 
a great time to shift up the energy of this conversation mm-hmm. a little bit. And Jeff, because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman, we believe that it's okay to be bougie, classy, and ratchet. Yeah. So we've created this term called blatchet to bring it all together. And we believe that you can still be elegant and dance to strip club music if you so choose. Wholeheartedly, so, yeah. Okay. So Jeff, we want to invite you to the OU Blatchet segment. Do you take on the okay. challenge? I take on the challenge. Let's go. All right, let's get it. Let's get it. I'm a little nervous, so, this, but let's do it. <laughs> well, let me tell you what to expect. Now that he's agreed, we got him, Dom. Now mm. we'll tell you what to expect. So, Jeff, we're going to ask three questions. We're going to share three sentence completions. And then we've been taking a look at your social media and we have three photos. Hold oh. up. Oh, and gosh. <laughs> we're going to have you choose a number out of one and uh, one and three. And we'll show you one of those photos. And what we want you to do is we want you to provide additional context for the photo that we wouldn't know just by looking at it. Okay. Oh, this is fun. We'll start with the questions first. And we're going to ease into this segment. So the first question for you, Jeff, is what's the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received? All right. So I'll try to make I'll try to make this quick. So I was I studied computer science in school and my sophomore year, I took a senior level course and the way the course was set up, it was a lab. We were in a lab, but the professor was lecturing. So if you imagine a computer lab, it's rows of computers, but then to have someone else sitting at a computer and lecturing, not standing in front of the class, but literally sitting at the computer and lecturing, you can't really hear or understand what's going on. So we get through the first class. And again, I'm a sophomore in a senior level class. And at the end of the class, the professor says, okay, first week's assignment, I want you all to create a social network that's better than Facebook in a week. And I was like, okay, I, I maybe he said how to do it in the lecture, but I missed that. I didn't know how we were supposed to do that. Right. So I write him this really, really long email, basically trying to, you know, show like, Hey, like I tried this and I thought about doing this, but I still don't know how to do it. You know, first day of class, right. I want to impress the professor. So I write this long email. The professor responds back like five minutes later and simply says, google.com. And again, I'm a sophomore in college. Right. And that resonated with me so much because what it taught me was everything you want to know is at your fingertips. The information is out there. What separates people who are intelligent and who are successful is not what you know, but whether you know how to find out, right? And so that's what it's all about. That was the most valuable piece of advice that I've gotten. So all my life, I've been trying to position myself to be able to acquire knowledge. It is what I know right now. It's what I'm able to know when I need to know it and if I can find it out. Ooh, okay. I love that. All right. Now that, you know, that was one facet of, mm-hmm. you know, being a whole human. Right. This right. next question is, ta- we taking a different path, okay? Okay, okay. All right. So next question, twerk or two-step? For me personally, like for I mean, me to you're do- from Chicago. Right. So, you know. So, so here's the thing about, here's the thing about, twer- so, you know, twerking, in Chicago, we have this dance called juking, right? And yep. so, you know, I feel like before twerking was even a thing, we were in Chicago, you know, juking like in juke music, which is a, you know, go look up Chicago juke music if, if you if you all have never heard it before. It's a fascinating genre of music. You know, like if you ever listen to like Baltimore, like house music or anything like that, yes. it, it's a similar sound, but it's distinctive. I got to go with with twerking just because I think it's an evolution of what we've been doing in Chicago for, for you know, decades probably. Since I was yes. way too young to even be knowing about it. Right. Yes. right. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. So, Jeff, the next question, the final question of the segment is, what's the sexiest item you own? 
Mm. The sexiest item that I own. Hmm, what would what would my wife say? Oh man, you know, I just I just have so many. It's just so hard to choose. <laughs> you know, okay, so I'd say the sexiest item that I own is my wife got me a I'm not wearing it right now because the class broke, but she got me a herringbone chain. And I say that because she she just loved one, it was a gift from her. But then two, she, you know, she she's just like, this is when I think of you and when you're at your sexiest moments, like this is what I see on you. And and I, she wanted to get it for me. So, you know, shout out to her. And and I if, if she's if, if she says that's the sexiest, then that's the answer, right? Great yes, answer. it is. That's Great a smart answer. man. Mm-hmm. That's a good mm-hmm. man, Savannah. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Jeff, so we're going to move on to sentence completion. All right. All right. The first one. One question or topic I wish people asked me about more often is... I wish people asked me more about politics. I I feel like I get boxed. So being a tech founder, I get boxed in the, in the tech a lot, right? And so people, you know, want to hear either about tech or startups or entrepreneurship, which is cool. But again, I don't fit in boxes. I'm so multifaceted. So, you know, politics would be one or sports or even honestly, even like TV shows. Like I'm really into I have I'm so opinionated just on like shows and acting and content and how it's created. So I wish people would ask me more about those those sorts of things. Wow. Well, get ready for this, Jeff, because you're not going to believe this next sentence completion. So the sentence completion is what I'd share more about politics and TV shows with your listeners is what I would share more about TV shows is this the greatest show of all time. And I have not seen all the shows. Now, you will be surprised because there are shows I've never seen. Like I've never seen Game of Thrones, never seen The Wire, but the greatest show of all time is Breaking Bad. Greatest writing, greatest story arc, greatest character arc, and a derivative of that in the Breaking Bad universe is Better Call Saul. Now, I watch, you know, I got love for shows with Black casts and Black showrunners and, and Black writers like, you know, the Power Universe and Shonda Rhimes' universe with How to Get Away with Murder and stuff like that. But in terms of just like actual masterpieces of the writing, the acting, character development, the plot, the cinematography of it, all of it, the Breaking Bad universe, absolutely the best. That's a, that's a fact. That's not even an opinion. It's a fact. Okay. Okay, Dale. <laughs> I was going to say, I have a quick follow-up question about that show. Okay. Because okay. I had a friend say the same thing and I haven't watched either. So my question is, should I start with Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul if I've never seen either? So now see, I, I love that you asked that question because here's the beauty. Okay. And this is why it's so good because... Both of those shows independently are great shows. You could start with either, yeah. or you could only watch one. But if you have watched both of them, and I would recommend starting with Breaking Bad, if you'll watch both of them, what is yeah. masterful about those shows is that, so you could be watching Better Call Saul, and again, in its own right, it's a fascinating story. But then if you've seen Breaking Bad, it's like you're getting additional context for Breaking yeah. Bad. And it's like, oh, wow, like this, this, but you don't need it, right? And that's the beauty of it is they were able to craft a story that stands on its own but yeah. if you watch the entire universe you get it's so much richer so would, would say start with Breaking Bad the first season is admittedly slow but stick with it 
because it, it's sort of like a if you're going to you know zero to sixty, it's like you're that zero to to twenty is like real real slow, but then you go from twenty to six like, and it's fast. <laughs> okay, now before we get to this final sentence completion, I just have to put a little plug in. Mm -hmm. Jeff, go watch the wire. And then, and yeah, then. Yeah, yes, and then say that, yes. And, 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 then, and, then, yeah, and then I'm curious yeah. to hear your opinion after you watch The Wire. Yes. Yeah, one of one of my good friends is is uh, Delegate Marlon Amper. He's a, a delegate for the state of Maryland. He's from Baltimore. He's going he's gonna to kill me when he sees this because he's going to say, one, he'll say Baltimore is more than The Wire. So that's one, that's always yes, his Yes, it is. Baltimore yes, is, I the agree. city is more than The Wire. But he will kill me because he's like, look, it's one thing for you to, to think Breaking Bad is better, but you haven't even seen The Wire. But that's how confident I am that Breaking Bad is the best. But you know what, Dr. Dom, I am going to do my homework. I will put it to the test and then I'll report back. I'll, I'll let you know if my opinion has evolved at all. Okay, we appreciate that. And we look forward to hearing your opinion. Absolutely. And so our final sentence completion. What I love most about myself is... What I love most about myself is how even healed I am. Like, I am really, I don't get too high or too low. Like, I don't really get stressed. I don't really freak out. You know, sometimes it's, it's scary. And the reason I'm like that is because, you know, I'm the type of person whenever I'm, I'm always like, what's the worst case scenario? And not only do I figure out what the worst case scenario is, I force myself to live in that space mentally and then respond to it. So if I'm going to do something like when I ventured out to be an entrepreneur, full-time entrepreneur, quit my day job, to me, it was like, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen right now? In any scenario, I think the worst thing that could happen is death, right? So I'm like, okay, well, death's not going to happen. So what's the worst thing before that, right? And then it's like, okay, if that happens, what is your plan for responding to it, right? Let's say you go out and fail, you burn through all your money, all this happens, what do you do next? So then when you go to the worst case scenario and you not only live in that space, but you have a plan for what you're gonna do, like what comes next, then there's nothing to fear, right? There, because stress and, and all that is really just fear of the unknown. If you force yourself to know the unknown and to face the unknown and to sort of game plan what you do next, then when things happen, it's like, look, is this the worst case scenario? Nah, okay, cool. So I can deal with this. I can deal with the worst case scenario because I prepare for it. So anything short of the worst case scenario, all right, let's go. Like, what do we do? Boom, boom, boom. So I can tend to be very, very even killed. And I think that is aided me well as an entrepreneur. It's aided me well in, you know, in my family, with my friends, and just in life in general. Such a great answer. And I'm so glad you covered the how because my next question was going to be, well, how do we get more like you, yeah. Jeff? How can we be even yeah. killed? So you broke it down <laughs> for us. So thank you. Mm -hmm. So now I've got these photos pulled up. So what we want you to do right, is I'm choose a number. Now. Okay. Choose a number out of one it, and is three. Is one through three? One of the, yep. Okay. Well, you know, let's, let's go with number two. Number two. Okay. This is a good choice. And what we want you to do is Jeff, if you can describe the photo first and then give us mm -hmm. the context behind it, because some people will only be tuning into the audio of this interview and then All we right, have others watching you. the visual. Y'all, if you're watching the audio, get ready, okay? I'm going to say Jeff got okay, that shit this? on and that's all I'm going to say. Okay. So Jeff, All no. right, what's this? Uh -oh. Okay. All right. So this, this is a photo of me standing and you can't see the pool, but a pool is in front of me and behind me are some, are some, uh, there's a bush, some trees. 
I'm standing. I got my chain on. Got my white muscle muscle shirt on. Some some gray shorts. Some sunglasses. Just looking cool. Just looking posing. You know, this was. And I think this was taken in like February. So this is like almost almost oh or March, right? So February March. So yeah. So what was going on in this? So what was actually going on in this? The context behind this is that I was. I mentioned that there's a pool in front of me that you all can't see. I agreed to go swimming, and I don't know how to swim. Right, so so somebody convinced me to get in water, and this was me. I don't even have swim trunks, right? Because I don't swim. So this was me going to the pool, sort of my, you know, like if I die, this is the photo that I want everybody to remember. Like, remember I was cool. Remember I was fresh, had the shades on, and everything. And as you can see, I did not die by getting in that pool. So you know, shout shout out to shout out to just basic life preservation. I, I okay. There we go. We are happy to hear that. And thank you for playing along with us, Jeff. This was super fun. We're, we're going to ask you more questions that are like more business related and also fun. But mm -hmm. thank you for playing along for the OU Black. Yeah, it was segment. fun. It was fun. Yay. Okay. So let's see. What, what direction should we go in now, Dom? We talked a bit about your journey. Can you tell us a bit about some of the lessons you've learned on the way, like on this journey that you've been on with various experiences and maybe some of the context of being a Black entrepreneur in tech? Mm hmm. So the biggest lesson I learned is math. And I'm gonna break that down for you. The number 168, it's a very important number. 168, that's how many hours there are in a week, okay? Now, I know that, you know, oftentimes people say, well, you know, we all have, we all get the same amount of time. Then people retort and say, well, you know, Beyonce's 168 or 24 hours in a day is not the same as mine, blah, blah, blah. All that's true, right? But the reason 168 is so important is because if you sort of like break it down, right, time is the only thing that you cannot get more of. So it is the most valuable and precious resource that we have. And so with 168, if you sort of, you know, I like to do easy math. So if you just sort of take, you know, 68 of those hours a week and break that down to basic self-preservation. So eating, sleeping, and exercising, self-preservation, right? That gives you about 9.6 or so hours a day to do those things, right? So you want to get seven to eight hours of sleep. You want to, you know, exercise 30 minutes or so if you can. Then, you know, spend time eating and then, you know, hopefully fellowshipping during that time, right? Or whatever the case may be. That leaves you 100 hours a week to do anything else you want to do, right? You've already preserved yourself 100 hours a week. Sounds like a lot. 100 hours a week? Oh, wow. But when you actually break that down, right? If you work a job, about 40 hours a week. And then you quickly realize that to, to really be good or proficient at anything, it's about a 30 to 40 hour week com commitment, right? So automatically that 100 hours, when you break it down into like these 30 to 40 hour blocks, you're like, oh, I really only have space to do two to three things well, right? So if I want to, if I have a job and I want to really, you know, give that my energy and advance and get promoted, maybe I want to volunteer, Maybe I want to have a good social life. Maybe I want to do these things. Maybe I have a side hustle. But you really only have space to do two to three things really, really well, right? And so what I had to quickly learn is not only prioritization and not only focus, but it's sequencing, sequencing, right? Because I don't, again, I don't fit in boxes. I want to do so many things. There are so many things I want to tackle. And the mistake I was making early on was trying to do too much at once, right? And what I had to quickly learn is 
what are the two to three things that I'm going to do really, really well? That doesn't mean that I don't think about the other things. It doesn't mean that I don't make little little bits of progress. But what are the two to three things that I'm going to really hold myself accountable for and really try to make progress on at a time? I love that. And I was sitting here taking notes because I was like, okay, yes. I'm sorry. Two to three things. and make the math with that every time. Yes, this math is actually math for me. Exactly. It is. It is. Now, follow-up question to that. How do you determine? Because if we're not, we're not fitting into any boxes, mm-hmm. and we're good at a lot of things, yeah. how do we determine what two to three things to prioritize? So the way that my mind works, and I say this, you know, I think that there's privilege that I have that maybe others may not. So I do want to, you know, just sort of give that caveat that my method may not work for everybody, but what works for me, you know, part of how I see myself and describe myself is I say that I'm an artist. Now I can't draw, right? I don't have like any musical abilities, right? So like the traditional definition of an artist, I really don't have that skill set. But the way that I envision myself, if you think of like the quintessential stereotype of a painter, who they have a studio and they've got all these different canvases of all these different works. And some of them are unfinished and they have this one that they've been working on for 20 years. And every every three years or so, they'll go and they'll paint another stroke and then they'll go work on something else, right? That like quintessential stereotype there. And for me, that's how my mind works. And, and, and you know, the reason I give you that sort of analogy there is because it depends on what is inspiring me at any given time. And inspiration for me comes from so many different things. It comes from, one, what I've seen or what I've been exposed to. It comes from traveling and the energy that I'm getting. It comes from what my dreams are. It comes from what I'm eating. It com- you know, inspiration comes you know, unexpectedly in so many different ways. And I, I think that I am fortunate enough where I am in a position where when I wake up, I can listen to what I am inspired by and what I am inspired to do. And so those two to three things where I wake up and it's like, look, I'm going to do It's like, it's almost not even a choice. It's like my brain, my body, everything is so driven to work on these things because that is what I'm inspired to do. Now, six months from now, that may be different. My two to three priorities may change. And, you know, I may have gotten 90% on something and it's like, oh, you know, the last mile of the journey, I'm not as inspired anymore. I'm kind of bored with it now. Now it's just like, it's, it's bo- the boring parts of it. I'm not inspired. And then there may be something else that is is really pulling at me. And I think I've been able to, and I've been successful because I've been in a position to listen to that inspiration. Because when you're inspired, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like running on adrenaline. You know, if you've ever done anything, if you're an athlete or you've ever, you know, done anything physical where... You, you don't know how you did it. You look back and it's like, wow, like my body was, I was sore. I was hurt. I was this. You hear these stories about athletes who they injure themselves, but they keep going. It's because they're running on adrenaline, right? When you're in, you know, to me, inspiration is adrenaline for the mind and the heart, right? And so that's, I think, how you choose those, those two to three priorities. Like when you wake up, what, is, what are the first things that are on your mind? What are the things that no matter what you're doing, you find yourself kind of mentally drifting and focusing on that. That's where you, if you can, focus your energy and your attention. That is such a beautiful, it's a beautiful answer, but it's also 
I, I'm glad that you called it out as a privilege as well, because I think we could mm-hmm. all do so much more in the world if we had to, if we had the opportunity to be able to choose when we woke up, like, this is what I want to do. This is where my energy is flowing and what I feel mm-hmm. inspired to do. So that was a um, great answer. Thank you for sharing that. And we were, you know, taking a look at your social media, Jeff, and we noticed that you recently visited the Capitol and you yeah. were discussing AI research and development development research with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. And can you mm-hmm. tell us a bit more about the key points of your discussion and specific measures you believe are crucial for ensuring equitable and responsible AI development? Well, thank you so much. I was fortunate to, to be able to go and have that discussion uh, with the Senate Majority Leader. A couple of things that struck me was one, this is truly bipartisan work that is happening. In the Senate there, you know, our politics is so divisive and things that, you know, I think that we as a country really need to work together on. Unfortunately, we're not. AI is hugely important. And right now it is bipartisan. And I actually asked the majority leader about this. I, you know, I said, like, why do you think that this is one issue where you've got you know, for people who may be familiar with these these individuals, a, a senator like Josh uh, Hawley from Missouri, who's, you know, really, really conservative, who's working with somebody like uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar from 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 Minnesota, who is is, you know, really is prog- a progressive Democrat. Right. And normally, not only do they not see eye to eye, but they would, you know, insult each other and, and you know, hurl her, her, her political epithets and things like that. Right. So. Ask the majority leader, why do you think that this is something where you're actually seeing this level of cooperation? And what he said was because it's under the radar. Nobody knows about it. Now, I think the best danger is that in order for us to make progress, we've act, you know, it's like these things have to happen on the low, right? But you, you know, these things, I had no idea that there was actually bipartisan bills where they were looking at this stuff. And I was also impressed by the fact that the majority leader and you know what I understand the Senate is looking at. They actually are looking at nuanced and detailed aspects of AI, its potential benefits, its potential harms, the need to regulate it, the need to not overregulate it. Like it's, they're actually pretty well informed, surprisingly, right? Which was, which is, which is good to hear. I mean, it, it, this is such, this is such a, an important issue. You know, I talked about movies earlier. I watched the movie Oppenheimer. A, a while back, which was a, a movie about the development of the atomic bomb during World War II. And, you know, regardless of what you feel about nuclear weapons, this isn't to, to make a statement about that per se, but, it, but just that technology and its ability to wreak great havoc as, as nuclear warheads can, or with, in the case of AI, could potentially, you know, propel us to another dimension of capability and intelligence. If we don't come together and really grapple with this collectively, it's dangerous. But moreover, what I try to stress the importance of with the majority leader and everyone else in the room is that, you know, this has to be an issue where we don't backfill diversity into it. It can't be something where 30 years later, we're like, how do we make AI, you know, DE and I for AI? Like if everybody hates DE and I, right? We can, we can stop having the conversation about DE and I if we at the forefront are inclusive, right? It doesn't have to be a thing if we're inclusive from the outset, right? And that is so important in AI because if you think about the potential use cases for AI, if you want to use artificial intelligence to automate important decisions, whether it is something as simple as, hey, write this email for me, or it's something as complex as people are talking about AI-based policing, right? 
If you don't have inputs into these data sets that are training these models that are diverse and representative and have these safeguards, then the outcomes are going to continue to perpetuate the same biases biases and, and racism that exists. I mean, it's as simple as if you, and I'm sure there have been social experiments to this, if you expose a child to racism, they are more likely to grow up being racist. If you don't expose a child to racism, if you sort of put them in an environment where you don't create hierarchy and, and highlight differences based on race and all these things, then they're, they're going to grow up and to them, that's not going to be a thing. It's like, what? okay, your skin's darker, mine's like, who cares, right? And so it, it's similar. Whatever you give to AI, whatever you train it with, whatever you expose it to, that's what it's going to spit out. And all the data that we have available now is riddled with bias because the world is biased. So you have to be very intentional about on the forefront, including people at the table to combat that, to call it out. But then not only that, to also benefit economically from it. We can't create a system where people are being able to create new businesses that are based on AI, to monetize AI, to get funding to research um, AI. And that's not going to Black people and to women and to diverse individuals. So that, that was the conversation I had with the majority leader. Um, it's early. I'm optimistic. But with politics, you know, things change. And unfortunately, this might be one of those things where if it be, it gets risen to the consciousness of the political uh, discourse, then it suddenly becomes divisive and, you know, people no longer want to cooperate. Yes. And, you know, I loved your response around how diversity needs to be included at the forefront, right? And mm -hmm. so when you think about the work that you're doing, right, how do you foresee the imprint that you're creating and what enduring influences do you aspire to have in regards to tech, all facets of tech, and the communities that you're wanting to uplift? So Black people, mm -hmm. women. Yeah. So I'll answer that question in, in kind of two ways. One is, you know, you, you, you mentioned, what do I aspire to the impact? And the truth is, I don't aspire to, to have an impact, right? And, and, and I do this, it's sort of like if I go back to my analogy of being an artist, I think a person's masterpiece, if you set out and say, I'm gonna, this is going to be my masterpiece, then it's probably going to suck, right? But the, the works that people, that famous, whether it's painters or sculptors or whomever, or artists, What's considered their masterpiece is usually the work that they themselves thought was pretty trashy, or they was like, "Oh, I was, I was not going to even publish this one," or like, "I didn't even try that hard on that." Right? You never know what's going to end up being your masterpiece. So the lesson in that is that I think you just got to do the work because you love the work, right? And so for me, I'm just in the work, and sometimes I don't even, I don't even recognize the impact that I've had the fortune to play a role in. You know. People around me sometimes are like, wow, like, I think Afrotech is a, is a great example. And I, and I think it's the answer to your question is, is what are the things that I'm doing that are looking to sort of set up the institutions that are necessary to combat this bias and AI and the potential harmful effects? I look at something like Afrotech that, that we've created at Blavity. You know, we started the first Afrotech in 2016. Afrotech, the, the first day of the conference was right after the 2016 election. And I think, you know, regardless of how you wanted that election to go, I think we can all agree that the world itself, the the sort of preordained order of the world and how things were supposed to go was flipped on its head. And we've been 
We have been all script ever since. We have been improvident as a, as a world, as a country, as a universe since, right? And so, you know, when I think about Afrotech, and one, I think about both like at a macro level, when you are, when Jay-Z is, is rapping you and saying Afrotech in his lyrics, when, you know, TV shows like Harlem, like that's part of the dialogue. And, you know, we, you know, Afrotech is like the quintessential conference for Black people in tech and entrepreneurship when you've, when you've reached that point. But then also I think about it on the level when, you know, I hear about people who are like, yeah, you know, like I got to save up money. I'm, I'm deducting, you know, X amount of dollars from my check every week so I can buy my Afrotech ticket. Right. Or you hear about students who, when they get a scholarship from Blavity.org or one of our partners, like the Fund2 Foundation, who give scholarships to Afrotech and they come and they are in tears because They've heard about this and they they just wanted to go. Or you hear about people who were at Afrotech and they got a job. When everybody else is being laid off, they got hired. I think that that's important not only for the community, but it's important for the companies, right? I've, I've talked about for the community, the impact of being in the room, being seen, and also seeing other people is empowering and it's important. And, you know, similar to the premise of this show where you know, so often as Black people and Black professionals, when we are in spaces where we are few, where there are fewer of us, we can only show one part of us. We can't show the twerk. We can't show the two-step. We can't show the the turn-up. We can only show the professional voice and all that, right? But in so many people look forward to Afrotech because it's the one time a year where they can come and be their whole selves, where they can be on an expo floor and look at your resume and interview you for a job. And then the next, you know, later that evening, they are at the club listening to Genuine or, you know, listening to Rick Ross or partying or twerking or whatever the case may be. And it does not feel at any point like they have the code switch or they are out of place. Nobody's looking at them funny like, oh my God, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that you have this side of you or, oh, I've never seen you like that. Oh my God, I'm shut. Nobody's looking at you like that, right? So, so that's just so powerful for the community, but also for the companies. It's important because it, it has completely removed the excuses that companies have had, which is one, companies used to say it was a pipeline problem. It's like, oh, we didn't, we did, we don't know where to find black talent. And so when we started Afrotech, we said, okay, we will bring them to you. That's why the first Afrotech was in San Francisco. We, you know, we said, oh, you don't have to go anywhere. We'll come, we'll come to Silicon Valley. Y'all just got to show up. If y'all show up, we will too. There will be no, no more excuses. You know, and now the excuse now is like, okay, well, you know, they're, you know, it's, it's a qualification issue, right? You know, the, the schools aren't preparing them enough and, and, you know, the talent isn't qualified. So now with our Afrotech membership, we're providing professional development and career coaching and all sorts of other benefits so that we don't give companies any excuse, Right. If if you don't, if you, if you say, whether you mean it or not, if you said, oh, we value inclusivity and diversity, or even if you said in the wake of George Floyd being murdered, oh, you know, we, yes, we, we have to do more to invest in black people and black communities. And we have to change perceptions. And if you said any of that, we will hold you accountable and we can hold you accountable because we've removed all the excuses. And that's what Afrotech represents. And I think that is so important uh, for the culture. Amen to all that. And I just want to give a quick Afrotech plug as well, because I've gone three times, Jeff. I went to the mm. Afrotech and SF. I went virtually when they had it. Okay. I think that was Afrotech in 2020 Road, yeah. and, and in Austin recently. And I will say 
it was so special, like being a black woman who's been in predominantly white spaces as far as my undergrad, I've, I've gone to PWIs and walking into that conference hall and seeing my people and hearing music that I, like just being able to be your full self is so amazing. But I will say as well, Afrotech gave me an opportunity to swag surf with my people for the first time. And so yes. I just wanted to shout it out. I'm so, I was so excited. I was like, I had the whole experience. Love that, love that. So yes, I love but it. I love wanted to ask you, thank you, Jeff. I wanted to ask you, when I think about, you know, that we were thinking about the title of this episode, right? Standing on official business. I think you put that mm. on your post. Yeah, and so yeah, we're like, yeah, standing on official business, on official business with Jeff Nelson. How can we stand on official business in the spaces that we occupy? Because I know many of us, we hear it from our listeners all over the world. We're often the only in the spaces that we occupy. So from your perspective, how can we stand on official business in those spaces when we're often outnumbered? Yeah. So I think where where it starts is i think all of us should be introspective and figure out what you know how do we want to move the world forward and that's kind of like broad and and big but what i mean by that is it isn't about like oh i want to save the world but it's like what what is the you know what do you want to create in the world or or how do you want to impact the world in big or small ways. For me, one thing that I am obsessed with is simplicity, right? And everything and everything that I do, I try to make the world more to just make it simpler, right? And I think there's a lot of complexity in simplicity, but the reason I want to make the world simpler is because then you actually make it more accessible. And so, when I think about technologies that I've been working on like AI, people have used ChatGPT. What's what's amazing about ChatGPT, right? Again, right, regardless of what do you, what do you whatever you think about AI or the tool itself, just this technology of being able to literally talk to a computer, tell a computer something and not have to know code and or to be able to to do some, you know, amazing things pretty quickly, that is making the process simpler, but the the technology behind it is very, very complex, right? And so for me, I am obsessed with how do we actually just make the world simpler to interface with so more people can do it. You don't have to have gone to college and have a four or five year degree to have an impact, right? You don't have to have gone to this school or come from this background. You can be somebody that just has an idea, right? And wants to, to make an impact. Like that's, that's what I am obsessed with, right? So everything that I do is in some way in service of that. And so I think for everybody to figure out what their why is, right? There's a famous, I believe it's a TED talk by Simon Sinek who it's called Start With Why. And he does the famous example of like with Apple's marketing, you know, they, back in the day, they didn't tell you what they did. They used to, they used to say our why is we, we, everything in the world, we think you should think different. They go from that to, to think different. And it, it's just, it just so happens to be that we make computers, but you're already bought into the idea of like, oh yeah, I think different. I'm a, you know, they showed the images of MLK and Gandhi and you see yourself like, oh, I think different. I don't conform. I'm going to buy that computer. You probably didn't even need a computer, but you're so bought into the why, right? And so I think for every person, you have to understand what your why is. And when you understand what your why is, that's how you stand on official business. Because no matter where you are, no matter what spaces you're in, no matter whether it's people who are like-minded and you feel comfortable, or you're the only person, you have that North Star. You have that internal compass to let you know that when I'm in this space, this is how I'm going to incrementally move things closer to what I want to see in the world because I understand what my why is. I understand why I'm here. I understand not here in this space, but on this earth. 
And so wherever I am, I'm going to stand on business as a result. Oh, yes. I love that. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Jeff, we have thoroughly enjoyed this interview and we hope you did too. Oh, I had a great time. Thank you. Thank you. We're glad to hear it. And I know that our listeners are going to want to know how to connect with you. Because our listeners, you know, Blavity has such a huge impact in the Black community. I think the latest stat that I read was that you all reach like 250 million mm-hmm. yeah. millennials we, in GZ. We, we are the largest platform for, for Black millennials. We surpass BET. You know, I grew up where, where right. BET, you know, was, yeah, the, right. was the platform for Black that's people. Right. We yeah. surpassed that digitally. So, and even saying that, I mean, that's humbling. And it's also yeah. surreal. It's like, I'm, I'm yeah. just like, wow, I'm part of it? Rich? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, you crazy. are. This is amazing. <laughs> and so for our listeners who might not have connected the dots, mm-hmm. can you, one, let them know where they can connect with you? And yeah. two, let them know all of the platforms that are a part of Blavity so that they yeah. make that connection between your impact and how they are taking part in this. Yeah, thank you so much for the question. So for me, you can find me on all the social media platforms. I am that Jeff Nelson. So just at that Jeff Nelson on all social media platforms. You can also uh, reach out to me on my website, jeffnelson.com. Would love to connect and network. And if I can be of help in any way, please reach out and you know I'll try my best to help or connect you with resourcing that can help. And in terms of Blavity, yes, Blavity is a big company. Blavity is a holding company with so much under the portfolio uh, that maybe people have heard of or maybe they haven't or maybe they use it and they're like, oh, I didn't even know that was part of Blavity. We have people who hate Blavity, but they like, there's another thing that Blavity owns that they love and they don't even make the connection. So hopefully I'm not about to, you know, ruin it for anybody. But, you know, but first of all, Blavity is a media company, right? And so we have several media brands. First and foremost is, is Blavity Media. So that's Blavity.com and Blavity Entertainment, formerly Shadow and Act. And then under Blavity uh, Media, we also have Travel Noir. We have, we have Home and Texture and we have 2190. Home and Texture is our brand for interior design, uh, home inspiration, DIY, all good things. So, you know, if you are buying a home or you're renovating a home or decorating, Home and Texture has some good stuff for you. 2190 is our brand for women's health, empowerment, health empowerment and fitness and professional development. Blavity is all about news and entertainment. And then in addition to being a media company, we are a company that has live events, right? And so we have yeah. AfroTech Conference, which we've talked about is, is the premier place. So please check out AfroTech. We'll be in Houston this year in 2024 in, in November, second week of November. So please check us out. Go buy tickets now at afrotech.com. But in addition to AfroTech, we uh, we're now putting on this year our first music festival. So we have a brand called Blavity House Party, and we are putting on the Blavity House Party Music Festival in June in Nashville. In addition to that, we've got a lot of other live activations throughout the year, activations surrounding the Grammys, NBA All-Star Weekend, so a lot going on in the live event space. In addition to you know the media and the live events, we are a company that is concerned with connecting employers that are hiring to Black talent that wants to uh, develop and excel professionally and get jobs. And so we have a platform called Talent Infusion 
that is where you can go and get connected to these employers. We have so many employers who come to us because they know our ecosystem is where they can find Black talent that is curated, that is qualified, that is going to come in and have an impact. So if you want to get hired, go to Talent Infusion. If you are looking to hire, go to Talent Infusion and find the talent, right? So we've got media, we've got live events, we've got uh, recruiting and hiring uh, and diversity and inclusion. And then lastly, beyond that, Blavity is a provider of technology to other media companies. We run, we do provide 360 white glove service for other media companies to monetize their content. So when we were building Blavity, you know, one of the things we realized was making money on content is hard. It's easy to put content out there, right? And yeah. some people on yeah. social media who, you know, go viral, it's not easy to go viral, but, you know, you people go viral every day. It's hard to make money from it, though. You find that yeah. real quickly when you, when people are like, oh, I got 50 million views. And it's like, well, man, I, only, I ain't getting any money from this, right? What we do, we have to build the operations, ad operations and, you know, sales teams and all of that to monetize our content early on. What we said was instead of, you know, in, instead of other multicultural media companies struggling to do what we did and making the same mistakes we did, how can we provide everything that we've learned as a service to these companies? So we actually run the monetization services and ads for dozens of other media companies. In the past, we run them for sites like The Shade Room or Baller Alert or Jasmine Brand, you know, big sites and small sites. So, you know, Blavity is a big company. And, you know, ultimately what we're about is, is really just trying to make sure that, you know, Black culture is something that is, one, seen by Black people in a way that respects the diversity within Black culture and celebrates it. And then we can show that to the world in a way where we are the owners of it and we are the ones who are dictating what it means instead of the other way around. Amazing. I mean, yes. this this has been so great, Jeff. Thank you so yes. much. I didn't even know that thank Blavity you. was doing all of that. So thank you for educating us as well. Yeah, thank you. Listeners, y'all know where to touch base with Jeff. Hopefully this won't be the last time we chat with you, Jeff. Let's definitely keep in yeah. touch Absolutely and we not. appreciate yes, you. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D dot com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at herspacepodcast.com and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. My thoughts create my reality. Today, 
I choose thoughts that empower and uplift me.